What's happening? Welcome to Wong Notes Podcast, Episode 5 with Rob Harris. My name's Corey Wong. I'm your host. Today is a great conversation with Rob. He's one of my favorite guitar players in the world. Many of you know him because of his work with Jamiroquai. Many of you know him as a session cat, guy who's toured with a bunch of artists. If you're not familiar with that side of his playing, he's played on stuff with Katy Perry, Kanye, Kylie Minogue, Robbie Williams. The list goes on. This is a cat who has played on so many records, so many tours. He might not necessarily be the guitar player that all the magazines are writing about, but I'll tell you what, he's a cat that artists and producers around the world are talking about because of the value that he brings to any project that he's a part of. He's got a great understanding of music in general, partially because he also knows how to produce and that sort of thing, but because of his awareness. We're gonna talk a lot about how he crafts parts, how he functions in a band, how to be a part of a band where there's a really charismatic personality, and just band dynamics in general. So I'm excited for you guys to hear our conversation. Rob and I are good friends. We met a couple years ago in Chicago at a festival that both Jamiroquai and Wolfpack were playing at, and I was hosting this big after jam. He and the cats came out, sat in. It was so much fun. We've been hanging ever since. Anyways, let's hit it. Boom! All right, we're all in search of gear all the time because we're guitar players. We like gear. Okay, musicians in general. They call it gas, gear acquisition syndrome, if you will. Now, let's say you're a little gassy. Okay, sorry, that was bad. But I had to. I got I got one product I want to suggest. A Stratocaster. Now, hey, 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 hey. Come on, that seems like the most basic suggestion. But I'll tell you what. Fender's making some dope instruments right now. I've been playing a Highway 1 Stratocaster for the last, I don't know how many years. But I did get this new American Ultra Series guitar. It's really awesome. I mean, it just is. I, and I wouldn't be telling you this unless I actually thought so. You probably seen me on their little ads. They're popping up in your algorithm, which I can make an educated guess on because you're listening to a guitar podcast. So there you go. And I'm not the kind of guy who normally uses a humbucker in the bridge, but this guitar, the humbucker is amazing. It's got this coil tap system where you coil tap it and it splits into a single coil, but it doesn't do that thing that a lot of other coil taps do where it just gets quieter and thinner because it's gone from a humbucker to a single coil. It's got something built into it where it compensates for that, which I love. The other pickups are the ultra noiseless pickups, which are great for session work because you're not getting all the buzz and noise in the background, and especially when you're just playing quiet. Or if I'm on stage and I don't turn my volume off, I don't get all the same amp buzz because of the lights around or whatever. Great pickups, classic Strat tone, bubbly warm top end, it's got the bite, it's got the power. That Strat is dope. Great guitar, check them out. They got, if you play bass, hey, tell you what, you better believe I got that ultra J bass to get my Jocko Rocco on dumping away these 16s. All right, you're here for the interview. Let's get to it. Well, dude, Rob, thanks so much for hanging and doing this. It's been fun to get to know you over the last couple of years and hang a few times and uh, glad that we connect on this level now. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And uh, I must say, Corey, absolutely killing show in London at the Electric Ballroom a couple of weeks back. It was such a great night and uh, really, really loved hearing you and your band play. Thanks, man. We had a lot of fun. 
We had a lot yeah, of fun. It's it fun to see like you it. and the cats there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we loved it. Yeah. We were fired up after that one. Nice. Well, I think, you know, most of the people that are going to be listening to this will know your work from Jamiroquai, but I also want to dive into just a bunch of your other session work and talk about your flow as a writer, as a session yeah. player, get okay. into some of the, what it's like playing live and what it's like just touring life for you mm -hmm. and also session stuff. So with Jamiroquai, you've been a part of the band for 20 plus years now, yeah. selling out <laughs> arenas, stadiums. Yeah. Like, you know, I read somewhere that you guys played for 80,000 people in Portugal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, I think that was the Rock and Rio gig in Portugal we did. And then when we did it in Rio, it was 110,000. Are you kidding Rio. me? No. 110,000. <laughs> and we were on just before Stevie was on. So we got to Woo! finish, come off stage, turn it around, and go and watch Stevie play in Rio. It was incredible <laughs> incredible amazing yeah so being a part of a band like that doing that kind of playing playing gigantic rooms like that and also being somebody who's played every level before that starting with playing in clubs yeah playing in larger clubs playing in amphitheaters building it up mm -hmm. what are some common misconceptions about playing in a band like that or being a touring guitarist in general uh, I think a thing that people have a, a misconception about is that you have to remember it's work, you know, it's, it's mm. the, the music bit is the fun bit, but the traveling bit is the work bit, you know, and, yeah. and it's not all after show parties and it's not all, you know, that's not the important bit. The important bit is being ready for the performance. That's the bit that you kind of have to you know, it took me a while to get used to it myself. I was like, okay, I'm on the road. But it was conserving your energy for for the performance, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best job in the world, but it is that side of it. Touring is a job and you have to, it's work. You have to treat it like work. Totally. You know, don't, I, I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I absolutely yeah. love it. It's my, you know, I'm so... We are all blessed to do this as a for a living, you know. Um, I absolutely love it, but it's work. It's not fun. It's not j about the party side of it. It's about yeah. the getting the job done, you know. Yeah, I once a long time ago I had a friend who was it was his first ever tour, and mm. he, we were going to California, and he's like, "Yeah, my girlfriend's gonna meet us in Anaheim. She's gonna fly out, and we're gonna go to Disney World." I'm like, "Bro, <laughs> we are not gonna go to Disney World." I, yeah. I hate to tell you, but you're gonna be like hanging out at Soundcheck for a couple hours. Yeah, and yeah. He's like, "Well, what do you mean?" I was like, "Well, this is the schedule of the day. Like, you're gonna go through this and this, and you're gonna have to go through Soundcheck every day, and yeah, you know, there's gonna be a couple hours between that and the gig, and yeah, yeah. I think I think sometimes people think that it is all fun and games, but there is a lot of travel time there's a lot of just yeah setting up getting ready for the gig and then afterwards how many how many times have you had people in an after show where you've you've invited some friends back and they're there and they, they're stood in a in a gray room with breeze blocks on the wall <laughs> and there's like two <laughs> bottles of water and they're going uh where's the party <laughs> yeah. yeah this is it <laughs> i love it I, lo I actually quite like that no this is what it is this is yeah how it is Every now and then you might have an event that you go to and it's kind of cool, but actually, no, this is what it is. And then after this, we get on the bus and we do this again overnight. We do this tomorrow. It's the same. 
you know. Yeah. It's funny. With Wolfpack, our backstage rider is so light. There's spinach and rice cakes and avocados and almond butter and bananas and berries and whatnot. Friends will come out to the gigs and it's like, oh, man, maybe we should have like asked for a six pack of beer or more because we have 30 friends that are hanging out backstage. We're really not great hosts right now, are we? But people do come back and they realize like, oh, yeah, it's it's maybe not everything that we thought it was. We did. (laughs) When when we played uh, a couple of, I think it was year before last and we did uh the gig at forest hills in new york joe yeah. joe dark came with some of yeah. his friends and uh Osnoy came along to the gig as well and I, nice. I actually took a lesson with oz like two days before the show because i was Sick. like i'm in new york i'm gonna go and have a lesson with yeah. oz and uh i invited him to the gig and he was stood there and we did actually have an after show mm-hmm. and there was a dj there and there was some food and it was around a swimming pool at the uh, it's like the tennis place, the the Forest Hills Tennis Center. Um, and it actually, Joe told me all about it. Yeah, it was, keep it, going. But I want it, it was a, it, it was a bit of a scene. You know, it was like okay, yeah, this is a party. <laughs> yeah, I remember Oz going, oh man, this is a this is so much fun. You know, this is great. <laughs> like, listen, you you picked a good day to come because it's yeah. never like this. Yeah, so, Dart uh, told me he's like, man, Jameer, they they gave me a lesson in hospitality, how to treat your guests on showing up to a gig. Man, we got to step it up. I'm like, man, that sounds incredible. Yeah, no. you say like he's in this nice little box, hanging out area, like food, drinks, all kinds of things. People just yeah. feeling really taken care of. So I I know he really appreciated that and. Uh, that's, he was inspired. That's not the standard. That isn't. Uh, that's. Um, yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, it's not normally like that. That was a special, special night. Yeah. So regarding the band thing, you guys have been a band for a long time. You're in a band that's had a lot of longevity. I have a question about logistics, creative flow, yeah, and just the interpersonal workings of the band. There, it can be very complicated as most people who have been in bands know. Yes. It can be the most wonderful thing in the world. How do you guys navigate album cycles, touring cycles, when you're going to do the next thing, and just the interpersonal relationships between everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, took me, it took me a while. You know, when I joined mm-hmm. the band, I, I kind of... When I joined in 99, initially I thought I was just going to be a touring guy. Toby Smith, the keyboard player of the band... On my audition, my second audition, because I had to do two, he actually said, oh, man, you know, we'll, we'll just get you in and, you know, you can come and you'll you'll be doing the gigs kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I never thought I'd get involved in that way uh, as a band member. Yeah. I thought I was just going to be a, a hired-in guy just for a few shows. That changed when, after a couple of months of me kind of being around, Jay invited me to the house and his place. He had a studio yeah. And in that first night, we wrote a couple of songs together. And I never expected that to happen. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that was going to happen. And I thought, you know, we're going to get in the room and ah, oh, it's going to be a, a communal thing. Yeah. And we're all going to be playing together and chipping in. But then I realized that there are certain different dynamics within the members of the band and people are brought in and people are pushed, not pushed away. That's the wrong way to say it. It's just a ever-evolving circle of who's... Jay's always in the driver's seat. Yep. He's always driving the, the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And he picks and chooses who sits in the passenger seat Yeah, to help him. You know, he, sees, he picks his co-driver. And 
it that's constantly involved evolving mm-hmm. and i had to learn not to be freaked out when it wasn't me yeah you know i had to learn that actually this is just how it works and and not to not to be uh pushy in any way to to uh to try and push myself forward because i realized that that's that's not where the best music's going to come from all the time it's you know sometimes i'm providing and and writing and sometimes i'm actually supporting the person that's writing and it took me a little while to settle into that you know and relax with it because yeah. that's when the the good stuff happens is when you're relaxed and not thinking about your own ego you know and like oh is my idea going to be the one that gets pushed forward yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and and I, I kind of learned that that's never the healthiest way. Totally. It's never healthy. You know, you've just got to go with what is the best tune, you know, mm. what's the best song. And Jay is very clever at navigating through that himself. You know, it, it sometimes it's weird and sometimes it's really joyful. And yeah, there are tensions that are there, but it's learning not to freak out when those tensions are there. You know, it's, it's learning to just relax and go with it yeah um it it did take a spell of doing that i think you know by the time i was so i did the first record with them and you wrote like almost half the record with them yeah it's probably about eight 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 songs on that album which i was completely surprised by i didn't expect it at all wow um but then i kind of realized oh actually i'm a i'm kind of a member of this band you know yeah um but I do realize Jay Jay is Jay's the driving force of the band. Yeah. He's you know he's the guy that I, I I believe we're chosen to be there for a reason. You know we provide a certain thing and you know we we can play in a certain way. We don't wig out when something doesn't go how we think it's going to go. You know we're quite good at adjusting to. Oh, hang on a minute. You know he doesn't really want my guitar part on this. You know mm-hmm. there's there's always that thing. You go into the studio and you're going oh I played. Where's, where's my guitar part gone? It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, I've, I've dealt with people who, who really struggle with that, but yeah. I've learned that actually that's just my ego. I actually just calm down, you know, yeah. it's not, that's not what's the, the important thing. It's how the, how the records are made. Well, and I think when you can step back, I know for myself, when I'm making my own records, I'll record something in the studio and I'll mute myself in the verse where it's like, oh yeah, it doesn't actually need my guitar part. And then when you get in other situations where somebody else mutes you, you can kind of get a better understanding of why, because there's a bigger picture than like, oh, this thing that I did is so precious. It might've been cool, but it just maybe didn't fit at at the moment or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And when, you know, you can't have guitar all the time. It, it wouldn't <laughs> Please, be special. No. Yeah. It wouldn't be special. You know, if it's there all the time, you need, you know, yeah, same with like every that. instrument. You can't have it all the time. You know, if you listen to Billy Jean, those guitar parts, everyone knows what those guitar parts sound like. They're not yeah. there most of the time, but when they come in, you go, oh man, that's exactly the right thing for that song. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what make that, and that's probably what I've learned is to go. Oh, hang on a minute. This is this picture isn't me. I'm I'm there in the in the picture. Hopefully, yeah. But you know, it, it's providing that uh, is letting your e- ego just relax. You know, it's yeah. Uh, I think 
What's interesting hearing you talk about that is the exact way that I think about my role in Wolfpack, right. where I I joined the band after it had existed, and Jack mm-hmm. is the leader. That's it's Jack's band. Yeah. It's his you vision, know, and yeah. it's Jack's vision. Yeah, it's his thing, and w- that's definitely something that I've realized is that people are always contributing. You know, Jack's asking all of us to contribute, writing like send me an email with some some of your demos or send me yeah, some of yeah. your stuff, and then some stuff will get used, some stuff won't. And some stuff, it's like, I'll send it to him. And then a couple years later, he's like, hey, I want to start this. Let's let's start this band, the Fearless Flyers. And let's use those few tunes that we didn't use on the Wolf Records. Like, yeah. oh, great. You know, yeah. and then they get used for a different project. I've realized that certain things are going to fit a vision for a band or for an artist or for an album. And they might not. And also even in the writing room or in the recording, it's like I might have an idea of how something could shake out, but it doesn't always mean that it should shake out that way or that it's the best. There are, I've, I've found, you know, as most of us probably have, there's a lot of right ways to do something. And especially when it comes to art, there's so much subjectivity where it's like, okay, yeah, it's not a guitar tune. Great. I'll just play my thing that fits, that drives a little bit of rhythmic momentum and adds yeah. to a little bit of harmonic structure. But it's just kind of a supporting role in this song. Absolutely. And it is it is thinking that way that is the reason you're there. That's yeah. the reason that you've been invited <laughs> into that group. That you if you're if you're just about yourself all the time, that doesn't fit in a group. Um, yeah. unless it's unless it's designed to be that way. Yeah. You totally. Know, um and that's why people like us musicians like us are in the positions that we uh, oh god that sounds really cocky i don't mean it to be cocky but no it's fine i think yeah, that's yeah, yeah, why no, i, I think it. that's why we're there you know yes because we're able to navigate the waters oh hang on a minute you know this is a bass led tune or this is a keyboard this is a synth thing you know yeah uh, and then adjusting to that yeah for me i have to always remind myself that wolfpack is a vehicle for the world to know the amazingness of joe dart <laughs> like that's <laughs> Joe Dart is is the Angus Young of the band. You know, oh, it's like you know he's, he's the Eddie Van Halen. So he's the he is a force. That guy. Yeah, you, you you all are though. That's the thing. I I I'm all I'm a big believer in everyone makes each other sound better. So the sure. reason Joe totally. is allowed to sound and play that way is because he's playing with you. You know, you're there to back him up. Just like he's there to back you up. That's why you sound so good. You know, sure. you're, you, hang on, that sounded really weird. You are amazing, but the, the, the right mixture of people, when it gets just the right blend, that's why the music's so good. You know, yeah. because it, because everyone lets everyone do their thing and, and, uh, it just, it just make, it always makes for better music, always makes for better music better feel better better spirit you know i think it's a really nice when when you get that it's you know it's worth its weight in gold you know when you can hear that yeah. coming through a recording or through a live show it's just it's quite rare yeah just like you guys it's all about intentionality and understanding the role of your part within something mm-hmm. and if if you know that there's a band leader who has a vision for a thing 
Mm. you're already no matter what in service to that thing yeah so you might as well not try to get your own agenda across and just try to execute the vision as best as possible and i actually i think that most bands would work better if they had a clear leader sometimes the ego does start to get in the way a little bit when it is a completely even playing field because then it, it takes a little longer to get to certain decisions like it can a lot of bands work great that way but i think yeah. if there is a clear leader it makes the vision clearer. And then if everybody can just play within the sandbox or playground that's been created, yeah. you can still have an equal amount of fun. Yeah. You you can tell when that happens, though. You can tell when someone is, uh, someone's got too much control. Sure. And, you know, on an album, sometimes you can hear it. You can go, oh, that's the song mm-hmm. where the control was just, that's when... That, that's when it was completely someone's vision and it's got to be this way. It's when yeah. it's when the person opens up and goes, actually, I'm going to welcome in all of this stuff. That's when you get the, the nice sort of mixture and blend of, of yeah. the, uh, of the good stuff. It's when you get to the good stuff, you know? Well, I've, I've hung with, with Jay a little bit. And you know, when we did that show in Chicago with yeah, the flyers yeah. and I looked side stage and he starts walking out and I see your <laughs> eyes light up like, Oh no, what's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> we, we know that Jay is a big personality and he's yes. a star, you know, yeah. he's a, a very big personality. I, Absolutely. You know, even just from hanging with him backstage singing like, oh, I got this song idea. And he just starts singing and yeah. he'll sing for like three minutes. It's like everybody around is just watching. Oh, yeah. my gosh, this is amazing. But it's kind of going on for a while. And, he, you know, he he, he he commands the attention of the room in a certain way. That, yeah, you 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 know exactly what I'm talking about. I saw it happening and I'm like, yeah, OK, that's your turn now. <laughs> oh, man, I've been this so many times yeah but that is what makes him that's what makes exactly him yeah that's the greatness you don't know what that you don't know what you're going to get and that's what makes people want to see it yes there's something totally. uh, uh excuse me my dogs are barking in the background oh it's <laughs> got, all right <laughs> i've got three dogs um and they're, they're in the garden and they're barking so yeah um yeah we're I, a dog friendly podcast yeah dog friendly a, a dog a dog cast <laughs> Um, yeah. no, he, I saw that, that show is incredible by the way, but when I saw him walking out, I, he was kind of going, I'm going to go out and I'm going to join in with the band. I'm like, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's their album launch. You can't do that. <laughs> no, it was amazing. It was so much fun. And it was incredible. And the, you know, it just goes to show, what do I know? I don't know anything. You know, I'm, I'm Mr. Safe. I'm like, oh, you know, just relax and. But uh, it was great, and you guys handled it really well, and it was a, it was a nice moment, actually. Yeah. Well, what's your advice to people? I know for some people, they can see those things and understand this is what makes the thing exciting, is some of the unpredictability, but also the ability to deliver. What advice do you have to people who might have a big personality in their band, who does have that star power, but not necessarily know how to navigate harness being yeah or, or, or just being around yeah, yeah. that you with all uh with all the greats i i believe that that is what you're watching you're watching something that's unpredictable mm-hmm. you know the performance that I, i've had this a few times when i was doing uh, i was doing a lot of writing with um i was signed a publish at a publishing deal and i was doing a lot of writing sessions and I could almost, I used to pick 
the writers up at the train station down the road. They come to my studio, and I used mm-hmm. to see them. These 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 were sort of blind writing sessions, so I'd never met these people before. Yeah, but I could almost feel it when I saw them. I was like, that person's got a certain thing. Yeah, that is a, there's something that means you can't take your eyes off them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might, you know, that might have also meant that they didn't have the best vocal ability or but they just have a character, a certain charisma that you, when they walk in a room, you know that that person's walked in the room. And I would also, in reverse, feel it when they didn't have that. And then totally. you kind of go, oh, this isn't... When you're when you're writing for someone to, to build something where you're someone's looking to get a deal or they're, they're trying to make songs for their record, that's an important thing because that person is the vehicle for the song. Yeah. And people buy into people as much as they buy into a good song. I've seen so many artists that are amazing singers, but when you go to the show, you don't, you, you go and go, Oh, that's great. That's nice. That's great. Oh, Oh, that's great. Oh, what time's the bus leaving? You know, you kind of, it, mm. it just doesn't fill you with that excitement. The, 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 the persona, the, the, the personality doesn't come through. And yeah. then I've seen the reverse of that, where someone just walks on stage and you you just can't take your eyes off them. Yeah, you know. So I think you need to recognize, or or, or at least look for it for that star that that star quality. I don't mean that sounds really cheesy, but there's there's a reason why that person is standing there at the front of the stage singing. Yeah, and I've worked with a few that you kind of get it. You go that that's why that I was in. Um, one of my first early tours that I did was with an artist called Gary Newman. I don't know if mm-hmm. you know Gary Newman. Yeah. He, he didn't need to do anything. He used to just walk on the stage and completely own it. Didn't sing a note. Dude, I just saw Ricky Martin. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky right. Martin has that. I was at this like Sting benefit. Sting okay. and uh, it, was, it was like a rainforest benefit. I went to right. this show and Ricky Martin came out as one of the guests. And I had no idea what to expect, but he just walked on stage and commanded the attention of the room. Yeah. And I had no idea. Like, he has hits that I remember from when I was a little kid. Yeah. But yeah. it's like he let the crowd sing the songs and he was just up there being the guy. He had the it factor times 100. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a real thing. I, yeah, I, I've totally. Been, 100%. I've been in a room with people where they change just by walking in the room. If mm-hmm. they're in a good mood, the whole room's in a good mood. If they're in a bad mood, the whole room is goes quiet. And they've yeah. not said a word. You know, that's yeah. you know, that's the same it must be the same with CEOs and you know and Yeah. There's a reason why that person operates in the way they do. And you know, it's Freddie Mercury, it's it's uh it's yeah, Prince. It's, it's Prince. It's Tom yeah. York. It's they've just got something, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of producers have that quality as well, where some producers might not be able to tell you, oh, the the and of four is actually a D minor seven flat five instead of a D, you know. Yeah. But they they might be able to just know the energy of a thing. They might just understand music, understand dynamics, understand how to get a certain thing happening. They're able to hear that thing or have that charisma to be able to get a band to be at their best at yes. all times. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it earlier when we when we were t- when you asked this question originally. You can use the tension. The tension is a good creative source as mm. well as the you know, as well as the good vibes, you can also use the bad vibes sometimes. Yeah. 
you know, a bit of tension is sometimes yeah. it helps things. It, yeah. it, it doesn't feel good at the time, but you know, that's a lot of me. I remember going to see a band. Um, I went to a music college here in the UK and they had these band workshops and they were doing, uh, they were playing message in a bowl, right? And mm -hmm. each band had to get up and play their version of message in a bowl by, by the police. Yeah. And the, the, the teacher was there and she was sort of giving some critiques. Oh, you know, I really liked it how the singer got down on his knees and was sort of like pointing out and, and all the other students had to give a critique as well. And I do remember sitting there going, and when, when she turned around to say, have you got anything you'd like to add? And I said, what's everyone smiling for? <laughs> Why is everyone smiling at each other? I said, you got, you got to realize that this song that you're playing was built out of attention. Mm. The, you know that they all hated each other probably at the time that's why yeah. it sounds the way it does it's got an energy to it that's yeah. not that you know that you know that Stuart Copeland used to speed up a lot and I know that Sting used to it used to drive him mad you know yeah. with his tempos that is a really good source of <laughs> something that's not right but look yeah. at how amazing those that music turned out to, to be totally it's it's it doesn't always have to be happy and great and and be mm -hmm. amazing you can use yeah. it but it's it's learning to go oh this is going to be a weird one this is going to be a this is going to be oh everything's flowing and i've taken that into different when i've gone into other studios to work with other people i've kind sure. of realized not you know be freaked out but don't don't lose your nerve just because something's not going right you know you yeah. you can use it sometimes well, that being said, and some of the other stuff that we've already discussed on that, mm. you've done a lot of writing, recording with people, everybody from yeah. Katy Perry, Kanye, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anastasia, Kylie yeah. Minogue, you know, all that kind of stuff, Robbie yeah. Williams. Yeah. When you're recording in the room with people, mm -hmm. what's your approach to that different than remote recording? How do you get yourself mentally prepared when it's just no feedback from a producer and like you're recording yeah. by yourself and then the, obviously the opposite when you're in a room with everybody yeah it's a, it, that took a real long time to get used to the 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 difference between being in a room with some people and being on your own because you as you said you don't get any feedback at all so mm -hmm. in a studio you're obviously looking for the room you you got to look around the room see what's going down you know see if, you're not looking for immediate gratification of everyone going oh man you sound great that's mm -hmm. not going to happen that doesn't happen because everyone's busy doing their thing yeah so i kind of i had to you know we, we well I, I don't know if you feel the same way you just get to learn that when they're not saying anything that's usually a good thing yeah if you're if as soon as they start saying and, and, and a good producer will will say yeah, that's great, but can you just do this? Can you try it this way instead? So that's constructive. Yeah. That's what I found uh, to help to help me is reading the room. You just totally kind of reading the room, learning when is the best best time to say I've got this idea. Why don't we try this? You really just have to be careful how you navigate it. You know, um, see who's the who's the driving force. Is the producer yeah. leading the singer? Is the singer going? No, actually, I don't like what the producer. I did. I did have a scenario recently. Ah, uh, can I say this? Yeah, I can. I can say this. So I, I did a session for an artist, and I turned up, and 
I was there before the artist arrived, and both uh, there, there were there were two producers there, and they said the artist wants the song to be this certain way, but we don't think he should have it that way. We we don't feel that it should be that way, because he's mm-hmm. this he's this artist and he's not the other thing that he thinks he's trying to do. Yeah. So I got some sounds up, and I was trying a few things, and then, and and but also they didn't really have an idea of what they wanted. They didn't. They were just. They were searching for things, which is yeah. completely cool. When the artist arrived, he is one. He's definitely one of those guys that you know when he's in the room. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I need to nav- I need to be careful here. I need to navigate this because I know mm-hmm. he wants me to bash out some loud chords, overdriven chords. I know that the producers don't want that, but I'm having to. I'm in the middle. I'm like, I'm like the kid in between the two warring parents. (laughs) And and I'm kind of reading the room and I'm trying all these things. And I can tell that the artist is not feeling it at all. And then it got to the point where I could feel the session was doing a nosedive. I was like, this is is not going to happen. And I just went, ah, screw it. I'm just going to give him what he wants to hear. And soon as I did it, he came alive in the studio yeah that's it that's exactly what i want and he was jumping around the room which then energized the producers Mm. because they could feel it going yeah and the session picked up everything went more flowingly but yeah but you're kind of having to do that you're having to judge it yes you know so you i risk them i risk those producers never calling me again because i totally yeah but you, you have to feel feel the room. It's a real, it's yeah. almost like a psychology. And I've definitely got that wrong many times where I've just done the wrong thing. But that's, yeah. that's why you, they changed to someone else. And, you know. I would think that you gave your best shot at the thing the producers wanted. It, mm-hmm. You at least have a defense of like, hey, <laughs> I tried yeah. it, but it was clearly not going well. Yeah. And if my parts weren't going to get used anyways, or if I was going to get canned from the session yeah. anyways, let's yeah. at least try something that somebody's happy about. Yeah, you got yeah. you got to move forward. Um, I, I, I've had it in the studio with Jay. Jay quite often doesn't want standard guitar parts. He, he's never really into standard stuff. If he feels like he's getting something that he's heard on a song that we've already done, I can tell he gets he starts pacing around the studio, yeah. getting impatient. And I know I've got to pull something out of the bag and 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 do something radical, even if it's not used. I'm gonna be brave. Uh, you know, I've learned to be brave enough to just go. Uh, uh, and one example of that is a song we did years ago called uh, "Feels Just Like It Should," which came from a riff that Jay sung into a vocal processor, and it was just like a riff that went bum 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 and it had like an octave. And the whole track was built around this riff. And I doubled it up with a couple of heavy guitar sounds so give it, to give it a bit of a Led Zepp feel. Yeah. But I could tell he was getting bored and he was walking around the studio and he was pacing around. And I just, I was like, okay. And he, he did actually say, look, it's all standing, it's all sounding a bit standard, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, at the time, I had one of those, I think it's the purple Line 6 filter effects pedals so i i got my guitar and i completely detuned all the strings so it didn't make any sense tuning wise yeah and i just sat and made as many different noises as i could Mm -hmm. while you know playing something and then tweaking the knobs on this pedal yeah and they took about three takes of it and jay was jumping around he was 
all of a sudden jumping around the room excited yeah. and yeah this is great amazing <laughs> no, no the extreme musical, opposite of yeah, yeah no musical sense at all there was nothing musical that came out it was just noises and weird sounds and scratchy noises and and then when you listen to the track a load of the sound effects that come on that track is the guitar is that two passes of guitar yeah it's just weird sounds and squelchy sounds that but then the session progresses because yeah that itch has been scratched a little bit and mm. then you get yeah. to go and do play your guitar as a as a guitar part again you know yeah interpreting an artist's or producer's request is something we always have to figure out especially in remote recording sometimes i'll say just do your thing man yeah that could mean a lot of different things i mean i think i know what you want if i know something about the artist know something about the producer and yeah. i have a grasp of what they know of me yeah. I'll normally try to give a few options. Like the remote thing, if you don't have those responses from people, it's like, do you want me to be the wild card on this track? I'll give you a couple passes of wild card and then I'll give you a couple passes of the like straightforward guitar thing. Yeah. And always leave the option of like, hey man, if you want me to change anything, yeah, I'll ch I, I want you to be happy with what it is. Absolutely. And I think that's that's the lesson that I, you know, that's what took me a while because doing remote, stuff years ago i couldn't get started it was really hard yeah. to play because i'm thinking totally. I, don't, I have no direction here and uh -huh. then you send it off and you're you're, you're almost checking your emails constantly going oh, oh i need some kind of feedback yeah you know uh trevor horn said uh you know the, the producer trevor horn he said yeah the worst thing you can do after someone's finished a record a performance is not say anything Exactly. Especially a singer. You need to give them some feedback. Or at least turn the talk back on. Yeah. I could not stand it when I get done with a take and it's just silence. And you can see people talking in the control room, but it's like you can't hear them. I know. What is my worth as a human being? Tell me now. I know. <laughs> they might just be completely distracted and talking about something else. But for whatever reason, sometimes you think oh, they just hate everything we did. What did we do wrong? How can we yeah. fix it? Yeah. I, I think um, we've learned possibly learn to not expect that instant feedback and then that gets rid of a load of your well for me my insecurities i just yeah. play i'll the same as you i'll do a couple of takes try a few different things and if they don't if they don't come back with constructive feedback then that's kind of up to them yeah um, and i only know i've done a good job if if they call me back and get me to do yeah. another thing you know, totally. there's a there's a, a composer I work with over in LA. He's, he's actually a Scottish guy. He's a, he does film music, and um, I never hear anything back. No feedback at all. Nothing. And but he always hires you again. Yeah. Every That's couple great. of months, something comes in, and I I don't even know what the thing's for. I mean, there, there was one I did for him, and um, I actually thought it was for an advert for uh, for a car company, but mm -hmm. it turned out it was the theme tune to the World Cup a couple of years ago. I didn't even know. I was nice. watch, I was watching it. I didn't even know it was me on it. Um, it ended up being a Hans Zimmer production, and mm -hmm. it was only because I spoke to the drummer who also worked on it. He went, "Oh, did you know that we were on the?" I was like, "Really? I had no idea." And then I listened to it. I was like, "Oh yeah." I didn't hear. Now I remember a word. doing that. Yeah, yeah, didn't hear a word, and I've become. I've learned to be comfortable with it. Totally. Yeah. You know, learn to just go relax. If they call back, you did it. You did a good job. All right, folks, this is a fun conversation. We got to pause for a second. I told you about the Stratocaster at the beginning of this episode. Now I'm here to tell you about that American Ultra Telecaster. That thing is dope. 
All the bite, all the crunch, everything that you want from rock to country. I use a telly for that Prince rhythm sound. It's great. And the American Ultra right now is my axe of choice. Okay, let's get back to it. I've also found a couple covert tricks in the studio when it when it is with the in-person thing with oh, an yeah. artist. When I'm setting up my gear, I'll mm. kind of rifle through a few tones and play a few things and mm. see like if anything is grabbing somebody's attention. Because every once in a while, you're playing, doing your thing that somebody might know you for, mm-hmm. and then you start playing some different tones to test out your pedals or your sounds, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you start playing a little bit of a different way. And so, ooh, what's that? Ooh, that's cool. What's that? Yeah. Just yeah. turning on the big sky. Yeah. Whoa, that's that's crazy. It adds that big texture. Yeah. Two hours later on the session, they might say, oh, what was that thing you were doing when you were checking your pedals, that that big sky thing that you were talking about? Yeah. You know, or whatever, like whether it be a verb or a, a tremolo or a, yeah, like an envelope filter or even just a wah. Yeah. To us, wah is such a basic mm-hmm. effect, but some people, oh yeah, that, that, that thing. I've, I've heard that a bunch on recordings. Yeah. And then they, they, they can hear that and then all of a sudden it sparks an idea for them. There's, there's mind, there really is mind games that are going on in, in a studio. There's a, there's a, a couple of producers, different producers you work for have different mannerisms, different ways. There's one crew I work with where every time I go, I make sure I take a new piece of gear. I take something new, a different guitar that they've not seen before, a baritone. I'll take a pedal. You know, the mm-hmm. last thing I took was the, I got the Line 6 HX FX pedal and I just took yep. that and just... I get all my gear out, it's the standard stuff, and then I get the other pedal out, and they'll always come in, oh, what's that? Oh, it's this thing, mm. it does this. They'll ask me the question. It may never get used. They may never hear it, but they it, mentally, they're going, oh, yeah, you, you, you know, we're, we're getting a good service here. Someone's yeah. thinking about it. Sure. You know, and then you get the, the opposite one where – the other producer doesn't want you to bring anything. Just bring an amp and a guitar and you have to service that as well because if you turned up with too much gear, it feels stifled and, you yeah. Know. Can I ask you, Corey, have you ever done this thing? And I'm almost I'm almost ashamed of this. Have you ever done the thing where you're on the 15th take of the same thing and you realise, and, and you're being watched by the artist or the producer and you think, you know what, I, I've done this so many times. I've... They're not asking me to change it. They're just asking me to do it again and again and again. Have you ever done the thing where you kind of really put yourself into it and close your eyes and kind of completely immerse yourself in the song and they go, yeah, that's the one. Have you ever had that? (laughs) (laughs) I wish the answer was no, uh, but I've learned to try to do that before take 15. Yeah. And yeah, obviously it's hard, but... Yeah. I think when I get in the studio, I'm a little more type A in the fact that if I'm going for a part, I'm going to do it. And if we've done six takes and it's not working, is it just not the right part? Yeah. Or what are you looking for? I try to, I mean, I don't say it that aggressively, yeah. but I try to reconcile that with myself and with the producer. What is it that you're looking for? What is the function of this thing? Is it the way I'm delivering it or is it the part itself? Mm-hmm. And then hopefully before takes six or seven We've got that sorted out. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I did an album. I was really young, and I did an album for this producer, for for an artist, and they decided that every track, even though it was going to be a full production album, you know, drums and everything, and strings and horns, and they yeah. decided to hire me to to do to start every track with just a click track and an acoustic guitar part. <laughs> 
that was how the songs were going to be started. And I spent two days on one song. Wow. Two full five-hour sessions on one song playing E to A on an old Martin in a really old house up in the Lake District here. And and uh, it was just a click track, like a cowbell click track, and me playing. It's almost like you can't always get what you want um, yeah. by the Stones. He had me tracking that for two days, five hours, to the point where my third finger was completely numb for about a month. <laughs> He also used two other guitar players, a guy called Adam Seymour from the band The Pretenders, Neil Taylor, actually Neil Taylor, who used to also play with Robbie Williams, and a guy called Jez, who was in a band called The Doves. So three other guys, they all got put through the same ringer of this song. Jeez. And eventually they came back to me to do it again, and I did it, and they went, yeah, that's great. There was nothing, there was absolutely nothing wrong with any of the takes that any of us did. I was so young and green at the time. I didn't. I didn't know. I was thinking, oh, this is, this is some kind of Phil Spector stuff going on here. Yeah, the song never got released ever. <laughs> didn't see the light. That of day, is incredible. <laughs> that feels like such a waste of resources and time. Yeah, it was. It was complete waste of time. I mean, I would think that thirty minutes in, I would just be like, all right, if this is not. Tell me exactly what is not working for you. Does it not give mm. you the emotional response you're looking for? Yeah. Does it does it not line up on the grid the way that you want to see it? Are you just looking for the right thing? Are you what are you not hearing? Yeah. You're you're a better than man than me for being that's, able to last two days. That's where I am now. That's where I that's where I learned <laughs> to be after like what's what's going on here? I I'm obviously not doing this right or but I was so I was young. I yeah. thought, you know, I was couldn't believe my luck. It was for quite a, a famous artist, a British artist, actually. I was like, I can't believe I've been hired to do this. They obviously know more about this than I do. Yeah. Um, but not only that, once they once they were happy with the take, he then had me double it with another guitar. And I Amazing. swear he got me to do it a bar at a time. Incredible. <laughs> Honestly, that's the last time I ever did that, ever. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. hope so. Well, I want to get into some specifics about just guitar stuff. Okay, It's been sure. fun to talk about studio and relational things and navigating situations, but your rhythm playing is insane. <laughs> your time, your feel, it's always just feels like it matches the oh, thing, man. the vibe. Like, well, and and not much. just the, the playing, but also like we've talked about specific parts and how you come up with something and how it all fits together. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're a master of crafting parts for a thing, especially in the funk realm. Like if you listen to, like one song I was just listening to recently was Little L. Okay. There's the single note guitar line and then there's the little chords thing. And yeah. it feels like it's a uh, similar to the way an orchestra arranges and orchestrates back and forth mm -hmm. and how the parts weave together. Mm -hmm. you, you're clearly very intentional about the way you make parts, but the way you write parts. What is your approach to... Uh, a lot of funk players play over one chord jams. Yeah. How do you make something not feel like, oh, we're just jamming on E7 or we're just jamming on D minor? Coming up, coming up with parts, I kind of realized that if I'm like that song in particular, uh, Little L, mm -hmm. I wanted to just, I want to find a hook. I realized that hooks are really important. Yeah. You know, if you, going back to Billie Jean again, actually. Yeah. When you listen to that that um, guitar break, that's a a huge hook, right? Exactly. You would 
if that was the only bit of guitar you heard in that song, I'd be happy with that. That's if I played that, I'd be over the moon with that. Yep. It's about having a hook that people can sing. Um, it's about having a sound that is hooky. You know, I, I mm-hmm. remember Little L when I did that. It was just a, it was a thin line telly. Actually, this, this very thin line telly that I have sat right next to me here, di'd into a desk, and I played a low note for the, um, just low, and then I doubled it up an octave. Yeah, and I wanted to be clipped, and and it was just di'd into a into yep. a preamp. And then for the for the chordal thing, I just wanted everything to almost be like it was a sample taken off a record, because at, at that time, Nile Rogers was being sampled to death, and it was all just little snippets of his playing, and they were being used as hook hooks. Yeah. So that's what I was trying to do, and I've I probably have stuck with that kind of methodology of learning that small little single note ideas, if they are hooky get turned up in the mix and, and, and are quite a big part of it. As soon as you yeah. start playing chordal things that are that sort of are in the background, they get pu- pushed back in the mix. So I, you know, I'm equally happy with that as well, but I've learned that the different roles are, there's, there's things that help the song with hooks and there's things that help the song chordally and, and they're the sort of foundational things. So then it becomes about the sound of what you're doing as well. You know, how how that sound is used specifically in that kind of music. Mm-hmm. How how that sound sits within the other sounds that are going on, the synths and the bass synth and the drum machine and that kind of thing. You know, I, I, I learned, I mean, I, know, I, I understand you DI quite a bit as well, don't you, when you're recording. Yeah. It's, it just sounds, for that style of music that we're playing, it's perfect for that. Yes, totally. You know, and because it, uh, have you have you ever heard that band Pleasure? Do you know Pleasure? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I actually have a tab up on my browser right now of their tune Glide. Glide. Yeah. G-I- Dope, too. That's sick uh, bass. Amazing. Have you heard yeah. Universal? Have you heard that one? I don't know if I know that one. I'll oh, pull that one up. Yes, you will. You, you'll love that. And it's just a DI strat, or it sounds like a DI strat. Yeah. And the parts just weave together so well, the bass player and the, the interaction of the instruments, they just weave together so well. So that's probably what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, well, you're writing hooks. You're writing yeah. hooks. You're, you're treating things more like a songwriter than a guitar player. You just yeah. happen to be playing guitar. Yeah, it could be played on any instrument, but you know, I'm a guitar player, so that's what the voice that yeah. I have. So. Yeah, I don't know where I got that from, though. I, I'm not sure. It's probably from the records that I listen to. And, and and with regards to guitar players now, I mean, I think they're doing some great things. You know, mm-hmm. there's some really beautiful textural things that are coming out. And I was listening to Tame Impala the other day, and I, there's some washy sort of stuff and some nice yeah. washes of sound that you're kind of going, is that guitar or not? I, I'm really yeah. into that kind of stuff. But then equally, I'll put on a Charlie Puth record when my daughter's round, and uh, I listen to the guitar parts on that, and I love the textures that people are yep. that are sort of bubbling sort of guitar parts that mm-hmm. are clipped, and you know you can almost hear that they're edited. They're edited yeah. exactly for that purpose. I quite like that, but I also quite like being able to play as if that's happened as well. Yeah. You know? Do you get so when you're when you're working with Wolfpack, for example? Quite often, are there songs already there? When you're coming up with your parts, 
uh, are the, is the the top line there quite a lot of the time or not? A lot of times it's Jack sitting down with either like a piano part. Like mm-hmm. uh, sometimes he'll just have a piano thing and just like, hey, I got this idea. And then we'll just all be in the room shedding that section. We'll just kind of all play. And ooh, yeah, that's cool. Ooh, that's cool. Like if Theo start, like sometimes it's Theo and I both playing guitar. So yeah. He and I will both just start playing ideas, feeling off each other, going, ooh, that's cool. Or, ooh, that's cool. And then we'll yeah. we'll kind of figure out each other's role and then work around each other's thing. Or Jack will yeah. will hear one of us do something and say, Oh yeah, that's cool. Go on, go into that thing. And uh, yeah. we'll work it out that way. And then it's like, here's the B section. Or, you know, and it'll just kind of yeah. develop in the room. It's a tapestry of things that are all joining together and and you know, and you're all reacting off each other. And that's, you know, that's kind of what we do in the band. Sometimes we're doing it as a full band. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm just doing it with just the producer in the room, you know. Um, and it's being happy with either way of doing yeah. it, really. Quite, you know, there's been quite a few records. There's quite a lot of stuff on the last album where I wasn't playing to any particular vocal. So I was trying to come up. I was actually thinking, I need to come up with hooks. Either hooks that they can use or hooks that they definitely don't want to use. I've got yeah. to come up with something. There was a song we did called Cloud Nine, which I, I did have, I, I definitely had that thought process. Of, you know, there's loads of keyboards on the track already. Whatever I have to do, I'm not going to be providing any chordal information. So I'm going to play percussive type things to drive the track along, you know, just tick it, tick it along. Even, you know, even if it sounds like a part that's, uh, it could be a percussion part, you know? Yeah. Musical bongos. Musical you know. bongos. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Even if Not the that clip... bongos aren't musical on their own. Oh. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even the clip of a note, you know, your muted note in yeah. between two notes can have a massive effect on yeah. how the track feels, totally. depending on where you lean it. You yeah. know, and if you consistently lean it that way, it can shape the groove of a track yeah. in a slightly different way. You know, I, I love that. I love that in... Yeah. And whether you even decide to put them in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, or, or or then you've done them all and then some Pro Tools engineer just clips them all out yeah. in between all the notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With Wolfpack, a lot of times, like the last year when we've been recording stuff, sometimes mm. we'll record where the vocal's in the room and singing and it's a song that's been worked out. But a lot of times yeah. it's just laying down the rhythm section and Antoine will be singing into a mic, just some hook ideas that Mike can yeah. use later. But the thing about the way we record is it's always on camera. So if I do get yeah. snipped in Pro Tools, it's a little bit embarrassing because it'll be obvious on camera that I got muted. So I try to play yeah. parts that, okay, I know there's going to be a vocal hook over this. So I'm going to play something that sounds hooky enough on the guitar or sounds yeah. it's like it's a functional part now. But I try to approach it as if, it's something that still somebody could sing over, but it could function yeah. as as something that could be doubled as a melodic part. I'm yeah. always trying to think, is what's the final use of what's going to happen? Is it yeah. going to be an instrumental tune where my guitar part is going to function with the melody or the hook? Yeah. Or is my guitar part only going to be supplemental to the thing that will be the focus? Yeah, absolutely. But that their thoughts, you're... These thoughts are all going through your head as you're doing it. Yeah. And that's why you're there. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's the reason you were chosen to do that. Cause sure. a, a lot of people don't think like that. 
Yeah. A lot of people, my, my son's in a band at the moment, bless him. And the guitar player just wants to play over everything. He's like, you know, he, he loves Stevie Ray Vaughan. So he's just soloing constantly. Yeah. I know that you and I don't think like that, you know, <laughs> we're the guys that help the song along. And, and uh, that's what I always wanted to be is that. Yeah. Well, I love and that. you got to be able to boom, get out on the catwalk and let it rip and, and make <laughs> yeah. sure that there's a reason why the spotlight's on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, until the guy with the the the, the, the lights in his hat. I, I do remember this <laughs> doing a solo early tour, and I remember kind of standing there, and I was just he just prompted a solo from me, and you know just pointed, and I I, start, I went into one, and then I could I remember it was like a tennis match, just seeing the audience's eyes just w drift over to the other <laughs> side of the stage, and I was like, oh yeah. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's what's happening, you know. Well, and again, that's just navigating being part of a band and Absolutely. being in a band with a, another star. Yeah. And and not letting it bother me, you know, not not feeling hurt by it, you know. You just go, okay, this is the gig. Yeah. If you were to start today from square one, you still are as good as you are now. You have all the knowledge that you have of what producers and artists like. You have all the knowledge of tone, feel, everything. Mm. But if nobody knew who you were right now, what would be the way that you would get started as far as trying to find a gig or trying to find session work? What would be your way of going about it right now? I do think there is a... I love watching the Instagram guitar players. I, they're inspiring me every day. Mm -hmm. I'd love to go and see them playing out, though. I think that's really important to to get that live thing. Yeah. It's not the same, you know, it's not the, I, I don't, having sat here in a studio putting little guitar videos together, it's not the same as being out with a band and playing and, you know, I think you should do both. I, I would probably be wanting to do a bit of both. I'm, I'm sort of delving into more internet stuff now because I, I you know, Paul Turner and myself and Ivan have got this project called Trionic. Yeah. And we're just, releasing an ep but yeah. i'm realizing that the sh the internet is i'm learning about things that i didn't even know existed with marketing on the internet you mm -hmm. know so having an understanding of that i think is extremely important for artists writing songs paramount of importance mm -hmm. it's got to be songs it's, it's amazing to listen to guitar players do do their one minute piece on Instagram, but you need a song as well. Yeah, you know, I don't know how you feel about that. How do you how do you feel about that? I feel like you've basically nailed it. As far as from the artist perspective, there was a there was a handful of gigs this past year that my bass player couldn't do, and I was thinking, oh, I need to I need to find a bass player to sub. I have some friends that are you know I would just. I'd obviously be my go-to calls because they're friends of mine. I know that the other 23 hours in the day, I get along with them really well. And the hour on stage is also great. But if I were to try to find, a, you know, I was kind of auditioning people by watching their YouTube videos or watching their Instagrams. Exactly what you're saying is what I found myself thinking was like, okay, I see you in your bedroom putting out amazing one minute clips of you playing bass. And, you know, there was a percussion thing that I was interested in, in finding too. It's like, I, you're great, but how many takes was that until yeah. you got that? Like, show me you playing a song 
through and show me you playing live. I want to see, it can be an iPhone video, a crappy video. I just want to see you playing live. Like what's your stage vibe? What's your tone like when you play live? How do you interact with the band? How do you play a song? How do you feel the groove? Do you feel time the same way I like to feel time? And what I realize is that a lot of people are posting things that are very impressive and are fun to watch, but they don't really tell me a lot about how they would function on a gig. So I think you nailed it in in what you're saying where it's like, ah, that's really fun and I like watching that, but I want to see more. I want to see how you you craft a part for a song. I, I, I think that that will always only strengthen the player anyway being out and playing in the in the bar across the road once a week is only going to strengthen any musician and make their instagram output even stronger yeah you know i think it just needs to be it's great i love it and i do take a lot of inspiration from it Mm -hmm. but all of my favorite players are out there playing yeah and they you know and they had the the background of playing top 40 gigs you know they've yeah. they've worked on cruise ships they've done any they've done music they don't particularly like you can hear the strength it's about strength of playing sure it's not about uh technique it's about authority and strength of playing for me um so i if i was starting out knowing what i know now i'd be trying to straddle both yeah um, I do believe it's an amazing marketing, and I've heard of people getting gigs off the back of their Instagram. You know, yeah. really good gigs. Um, it's, it's a great way to get yourself out there, and, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to do it as well. You know, I, I post up. I what I tend to do is post up things that I'm not the flashy guy. I, I actually am not the flashy guitar player. Um, I, I just post up how I play. You mm-hmm. know, and and it always, you know. From doing it, someone will always say, oh man, can you come, can you play on my, if I send something over, can you play on something? I'm yeah. just opening the doors up to to working with new people, you know, and I think that's what it's really good for. Yeah. But yeah, it's songs, always songs. Yeah. Some quick rapid fire questions before we sign off here. Okay. Purchase something 20 bucks or less that every guitar player needs. A tuner, <laughs> a headstock tuner. That is the most common answer. I love that. Is it? <laughs> okay. Item, a couple hundred bucks or less. Uh, for me, a Boss ODR one. Uh, no, not a Boss. Sorry, a Nobles ODR one overdrive pedal. I don't know that one. It's a. Uh, it's 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 like a Nashville favorite. It's my. It's my pretty much one of my favorite overdrives. It's. Uh, I think they used to be quite budget. Yeah. But uh, I first saw one i think john shanks the producer john shanks i remember seeing it on his board and i was like i gotta see what's going on there i got one early days when they were still really cheap yeah oh man it's it's so good and what, then what, I got, what style drive is it it's like i kind of thought initially i thought it was like a tube screamer but mm-hmm. creamier but actually it's nothing like that it's just it's just a, a really nice musical smooth overdrive it does have quite a bit of bottom end to it but it works all the way around the dial so the drive cool if you want just a little bit of grit on your amp it really does that well if you want a smooth lead line it really does it well it also takes a boost pedal into it really well so you know you can have it set for one setting and then you know i'll use an rc booster in front of it to for solos it's just okay. a really musical sounding overdrive for me. Great. 
no limit on price. What's one piece of gear that everybody should have? <laughs> oh, I would say a really nice valve combo, like a, de- a like a deluxe reverb or a Princeton. Yeah. You say valve, I say tube amp. I know, you know, yes, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Tubes, valve. Yeah, I know it's the same thing. <laughs> I know some people might, what's a valve? A tube amp, yeah, a valve amp. Uh, or, or. Or a car to get you to keep. There we go. Actually, yeah, that's, that's more it. important. A car. A car. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. This is fun to hang and talk with you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been great to hang out. All right. Hope to see you in person again soon, man. Yes, indeed. Be safe. Wash those hands and, uh, you know, take care of yourself and hopefully see you soon. There you have it. Rob Harris. That dude has got some wisdom. That dude's got a lot of experience under his belt, and I'm taking a lot of things he said to heart because honestly, as somebody like as a part of a band, he's somebody to really take inspiration from because he's been on a lot of different sides of things. He's been a producer. He's been the guitar player. He's been a member of a band. He's been a sideman. So much session and touring work. There's a lot to learn from Rob, and I'm super excited that he was a part of this podcast. So thank you, Rob. Come back next week because we have Yvette Young. She's got a really interesting playing style that was new to me when I started getting into her stuff. So I had a lot of questions for her. She dives into some of her techniques and tunings she uses. We'll see you then. Peace.